This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. Hope you're okay. It's Friday, March the 4th. And our top story today is calls from a deal mum for her son's death to be treated as suspicious. 27-year-old Alex Holland disappeared last November. His body was found in nearby Hackling last month. Well, Jamie has the details on the story for us and joins me now. Firstly, Jamie, can you remind us about the circumstances of Alex's disappearance? Yes, so Alex had been living at his parents' home and on the evening of November 28th, he popped his head around their bedroom door and asked his dad to wake him up in the morning as he had work and a dentist appointment. He then went out side for a cigarette. An hour later, his parents realised he wasn't in bed but assumed he'd gone out. It wasn't until tea time the following day when they reported him missing to police. And there was a big campaign to try and find him, wasn't there? Yes, his mum made several appeals for information. This is what she had to say to the Kent Online podcast at the time. He phones us or contacts us every day. He would never go two or three days, would he? Never. No. It's not him at all. Just wouldn't do it. You know, and he's got his two girls here as well. He just... It's just not him. What do you think could have happened to Alex? Where do you think he could be? Right now, I'm thinking, is he possibly somewhere hurt? I just... I honestly don't know. I've racked my brains thinking, where could he be? Friends, or would he go off and try and clear his head. I'd like to think so, but I honestly don't know. The Facebook group was also set up to help gather information from anyone who'd seen Alex, but sadly his body was found 81 days after he'd disappeared in water between Dill and Worth. So why is Mrs Holland calling for the death to be treated as suspicious then? Well, Rachel insists her son would never have taken his own life and she wants police to do more. She says Alex was found wearing only one shoe. The other was discovered near his hire car about a mile and a half away. His phone was also found in the car and he hadn't left a note. His wallets and keys are still missing. She's also been in touch with a psychic from America who claims to have told officers back in January where to search for Alex's body. She also believes Alex was murdered. And finally, Jamie, what have police had to say? Well, Detective Inspector Louise Murphy has said a number of inquiries have been carried out into the circumstances of the death, including reviewing CCTV footage and examining mobile phone data. And based on the available information, there's nothing so far to suggest the death is suspicious. A post-mortem has been completed and we're treating the death as unexplained at this stage, pending further toxicology results. All of the evidence gathered will be submitted to the coroner for consideration. Updates have been provided to the family of the deceased where appropriate and will continue to relay any concerns or questions they may have to the coroner. We appreciate how difficult this is for Alex's family and friends and our thoughts remain with them. Well, police didn't respond to questions relating directly to tip-offs from the psychic or how the force deals with such information. It should be noted though that guidelines published by the College of Policing back in 2015 advise that information from psychics should not be dismissed.
Jamie, thank you ever so much. Kent Online News. Other top stories today, and it's emerged a man who died following a fight in Maidstone hit his head on a lamppost and the pavement after being punched twice. 43-year-old Wayne Duck passed away in hospital five days after violence broke out in Pudding Lane last month. An inquest has opened but has been suspended as a criminal investigation is underway. A 23-year-old who was arrested is out on bail. Meantime, an inquest has found failures with a patient monitoring system contributed to a Folkestone man's death. 65-year-old Christopher Osland was taken to the Kenton Canterbury Hospital after suffering a stroke and had a cardiac arrest two days later. A coroner's heard how the volume on a machine was turned down so nurses weren't alerted. She's written to East Kent Hospital's Trust to express her concerns. The very latest now relating to the conflict in Ukraine following the invasion by Russia more than a week ago. And a tanker of Russian gas has been diverted away from the county after Kent dock workers refused to unload it. It was due to arrive at the Isle of Grain in Medway, where unions are calling for the closure of a loophole that allows Russian cargo into the UK on ships registered elsewhere. It's also been claimed today that there have been incidents of Russians who are living in Kent being bullied over the invasion. A county councillor has told colleagues at a meeting that a number of issues have been brought to her attention. KCC leader Roger Goffs told the Kent Online podcast, no one here should be targeting the Russian people. I think all local authorities um, are very aware that we have, indeed we have in Kent, um, not on a huge scale, but we do have communities of uh, uh, people from all the countries affected. So certainly from Ukraine. Uh, from Russia and from the neighbouring countries. Um, and clearly, and I, I know that, again, it's not just us, other local authorities are concerned on exactly the issue Susan raised, which is, uh, if you like, community cohesion, safeguarding of particularly people of Russian background who very unfairly, no doubt, in almost every case, uh, might get blamed for the actions of uh, President Putin. Um, and clearly that would be a concern. I, as Susan, I think, was right to raise it. And it's something we've always got to remember, which is our quarrel is with uh, the regime there is in the Kremlin, not with uh, ordinary Russians, whether they live in Russia or indeed within our country. Efforts to get aid to those in Ukraine or to the million people who fled the country are continuing. A mechanic from Tunbridge is hoping to lead a convoy of vehicles full of doctors and medical supplies this weekend. Arthur Smith has bought an old coach which he's kitting out. He's been speaking to Ish about why he wants to help out. I've got no involvement with Ukraine. I'll be honest, I didn't even know what the capital was until all this came on the news. And the reason I'm getting involved with it not to go too politically into it, but I feel that there's people in the world, especially in, in Europe, that could be doing a lot more, and they're not, not to mention any names. But because I can do something, I'm, I'm choosing to. I, I'm doing it off, off of my own back. You know, the donations do help, both both physical donations and, and monetary. But it, we are just doing it because because we have the ability to. And it sounds like... An incredible feat, a huge logistical challenge as well. I mean, is it feasible? That do you believe you can get into Ukraine at this stage? So we do have a contact from from the border in, in Poland, and what what's apparent is that they are very much checking on who's coming in. So you can't just 
you know, think, oh, you're going to go over there and pick up a gun and fight. You know, that's not how it is. And that's not what we're doing. We are going on a humanitarian mission. You know, we're going there to help people get out and, and help those that need it. So we can get in as a, as a humanitarian aid. And it's, it's called a green route. Um, that's what they're calling it. So we've, we've got full green route access through all the embassies, all the Ukrainian embassies from Brussels, Netherlands, Germany and Poland, straight through to, to, to the center of Ukraine where it's all happening. And how will you make it clear when you get there that this is a humanitarian mission? So really importantly, we've had all the vehicles liveried. Very importantly, the roof has got a massive red cross and in Russian and Ukrainian, it says humanitarian transport to make it very clear to pilots that that is what we are. All the vehicles, side, front, back and side, say humanitarian transport. We will have NHS doctors, ex-army medics on the bus that will have identification. We will be loaded with, with equipment and supplies that would be stupid to refuse entry. So we, we, we do not have any issue um, we, we don't think we're going to have any issue getting in. I got the impression that you will be driving on the vehicles. Um, you mentioned being a, a bus driver before. You are still, of course, putting your life at risk by, by doing this. Incredibly noble thing to do. But do you fear for what could happen when you get there? Do you fear for your own safety and for those who are going with you, the doctors? I've driven buses in, in a lot of parts of the world. You know, I've, I've driven buses through central London and seen awful things happen at night to, to other bus drivers. I've never done anything like this. I, I am scared, to be honest. I woke up this morning and butterflies have not not stopped since because I just, I think it dawned on me that this is happening and we do not know what we're going into really because what you see in, in the media is, is, going to be, is going to be completely different to when we get there. Yes, technically, I will be responsible for, for everyone on, on that coach. And I'm very much aware of that. And looking back on it, maybe I've taken off a little bit more than, than, I, than I thought I could chew. But um, I'm not, it's not going to stop me. I'm just, um, I'm worried, but I, I'm in the hope that everything is going to be okay. We will literally have half the bus uh, storage full of medical supplies. The emergency first currently at a, a medical auction in rugby trying to get as many supplies as possible for for as as little as possible um to, you know so we can get as much as, uh, across there and we will be fit like i said we will be filling up that trailer which will be used as a hospital with medical supplies so when it gets there um they can all be unloaded and then that can be used as as the mobile hospital and when you get to the capital is it as simple as you just help as many people as you possibly can who need it so we we've at the moment we've got a a formal request from the government to go to a orphanage to take 200 orphans to to the polish border and that that's our first mission is is to do that once that's been done it will then be a case of how close can we get to the to the capital without it being there are places vehicles can't get because the roads are so bad both due to traffic and also damage so it'll be a case of where can we get fill the bus up, bring it back. It, it would just be a case of, right, whoever you are, as long as you're trying to get out and, and, and that's, you know, and, you, and you're looking for help, 
where that's take you back. And this weekend, a vigil's due to take place in Tunbridge. People are being encouraged to gather at the castle and form a human chain to show their solidarity for the people being targeted by Russian troops. I've been speaking to organiser Jason Bradshaw. These poor people will be in forced out of their homes and uh, trying to escape the country. And it's just a terrible, terrible situation to be in. And we were just talking about how would you feel if you was in that situation? And it sort of came about that um, I said, well, what can we do? And the conversation kind of went to, well, we can't do a lot physically, but we can do something that stands out. Uh, And then I just said, oh, well, uh, I live in Tunbridge. Um, There's a castle there. It's a fortress. It's been attacked in the past. It's uh, had, uh, it's not the castle it was from the start, but it still stands. And I said, well, how about we just get together and stand first originally by the castle and uh, think about the people of Ukraine and just show our support in that way, in a peaceful way. It's not a protest. It's just a way of getting together and saying, we care about you. When you see the the images, I mean, you do feel pretty helpless, don't you, when you're, when you're mm. sat at home? And although we empathise with these people, I mean, no one can imagine what they're, what they're going through no. at the moment. And I guess anything we can do really is helps us to, to feel a bit better and, and to feel that we're actually trying to do something, I suppose, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, it, it might seem a bit, you know, what's going to stand in the line going to do, but actually it's going to do a lot because it's going to send a message out to Ukraine that we care and the town cares. There's also a lot of people in the community that come from the Ukraine. So for them, it's a way of focusing on say, showing their solidarity. But the most interesting thing is I've actually had Russian people that live in the community contact me and say, we really don't like what's happening. We don't agree with it. Can we come? And I'm like, of course you can, because you're showing solidarity as well. Because the thing is, we've got to remember is that the Russian people that live here, it's not their fault. They don't agree with it. You know, so I thought it was really nice that they contacted me and wanted to get involved. What can people do if they want to get involved on Saturday, Jason? What's the best thing for them to do? Well, the best thing to do is um, I'm going to be at the castle gatehouse, the big gatehouse about um, quarter to 12. Um, and then we'll just sort of gather there and see how many come, um, depending on how many. I mean, I would really, I mean, it's a big ask, but if we got enough to go right around the outside of the castle, that would be absolutely amazing. But um, if there's less numbers, we'll probably do it in the inners of the castle. So either way, you know, we hopefully we get a nice human train going. Basically, it's socially distanced, and I know people are still worried about issues with COVID. Standing arm's length apart, you can wear a mask if you want, and just stand, and we're trying to form a chain, and it'll last about, what, 10, 15 minutes at the most? and just have a time to think, and then we can all go about our day as normal. There are other vigils also going on in the town by the churches together as well, I must mention, so people can go to them. I'll probably be attending them as well. Um, but this is more of a, sort of, like I said, a visual um, kind of way of saying we are in solidarity with you. As you heard there, anyone wanting to get involved should arrive at the castle just before midday. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with car dealerships in Canterbury and Maidstone. A man's been charged with almost 30 offences after a string of burglaries and thefts in Gravesend. Several cars and properties were broken into on the Riverview estate, mostly on the same day last month. A 28-year-old is due at Crown Court at the end of March. A teenage boy has been arrested after a police chase involving a car that was stolen from a crematorium in Chatham. The Ford Focus was taken from Maidstone Road on Wednesday afternoon and officers later spotted it on the A2 near Gravesend. 
Gravesend. The vehicle failed to stop and was followed to Bexley, where a 16-year-old was detained. He's been questioned and released on bail. There's a warning cases of electric scooters causing fires have trebled over the last year. Research by Kent's Police and Crime Commissioner shows there were 95 incidents across England and Wales last year. Matthew Scott's reminding us that e-scooters are illegal and unsafe on our roads and are now also causing a danger in people's homes. A reminder, if you're heading out and about this weekend, part of the A249 is going to be closed as work continues to improve the Stockbury roundabout. It'll be shut between the M20 and the M2 from 10 tonight until 5 on Monday morning, so utility pipes can be moved. £92 million in total is being spent on a new flyover at Stockbury to reduce congestion. Kent Online reports. Some takeaway drivers are going on strike in Thanet tonight. Just Eat couriers are calling for better pay, with some claiming they make just £40 in profit from a 10-hour shift. The company insists they offer a competitive base rate to self-employed workers and review pay regularly. The world's first purpose-built multi-storey skate park will finally open in Folkestone next month. The F51 Urban Sports Centre has three floors, a boxing gym and the tallest climbing wall in the southeast. The opening's been delayed because of issues involving Brexit and the pandemic. Now, ahead of International Women's Day on Tuesday, a festival's taking place in Thanet this weekend to celebrate creativity and equality in the county. The Power of Women Festival will see art exhibitions, workshops and various gatherings. Amy Redmond is Artistic Director of Power Thanet. So, we have over 35 events in our main Power of Women Festival and over 35 events in our Fringe Festival. So, over 70 events in total, uh, the bulk of them happening this weekend, 4th to the 8th of March and then some of them going right on until the end of March. I call it International Women's Month. Nice and why are events like this so important in the county? So it's really important to mark International Women's Day which happens every year on March the 8th. Um, There's very many reasons why we need to see more equality in general but we focus in on the arts and culture. So often you might go to an art gallery or see a film and you might see a misrepresentation of men to women to non-binary people, um, we know that the, the world is governed by the patriarchy, so we're looking at ways to address that through arts and culture with the Power of Women Festival here in Thanet. So come along to our events. You know, there's loads of interesting conversations happening. There's events for everyone, creative workshops, fine art exhibitions, yoga and well-being events, family and kids' events, stuff in nature down at windmill allotments, and all ages and genders are welcome. It's a, a women's arts festival for everybody. So, and we've got events all over Thanet, so Ramsgate, Broadstairs, Margate and Birchington. And there's some online events as well, um, lots of content to discover online over the weekend. Do you think, you know, things are taking a step in the right direction? And, you know, in that case, do you think it's, you know, down to events like this that really push things forward? Oh, I really hope that we are taking a step in the right direction. I think, you know, things like living through a pandemic and seeing... The extra workload that did predominantly go on to women in the home and the childcare and you know sometimes you think you can be taking a step backwards but I mean I've just been setting up one of the art shows with a collective of women at the Margate School and they really pull together and get things done and it's so it's so empowering and inspiring to see groups of women that are part of this festival and coming along to it and to see the men and non-binary people in their lives being a part of that too 
and to see for for younger girls to be inspired and think, I could do that, I can be a part of that. Head over to the What's On pages of Kent Online to see what else you could be getting up to this weekend. A new restaurant is set to have a rooftop bar with views over the Kent coast. Bosses behind the bay, which will be based in Central Parade in Herne Bay, say they're forking out £100,000 to get it ready by the summer. Construction work's already underway and around 20 jobs are expected to be created when it opens. It's unclear whether a permanent memorial to Dame Vera Lynn will be built in Dover. A crowdfunding page only managed to raise a fifth of the initial £300,000 needed and the council's been turned down for government funding as well. The overall cost of a statue is expected to be about £1.5 million. And James Blunt is going to be performing at this year's Rochester Castle Concerts. The four-day event kicks off on July the 6th and tickets are on sale already. Kent Online Sport. Football first, and it's a trip north for Gillingham this weekend as they take on Bolton Wanderers. Neil Harris's side are three points from safety in League One, while the opposition are sitting mid-table. The Jills go into the game off the back of a 2-0 win against Lincoln City last time out. We've been catching up with defender Ryan Jackson. It's a very positive atmosphere. It was a good win, and now we just need to just try and build on that. Now you can kind of... It's more easier looking up, but yeah, we just need to try not get carried away and keep trying to get points on the board. It puts more pressure on the games, but I would say it also brings the best out of you in terms of you've got something to play for and no one wants to lose. So, But it's exciting as well because no one wants to go down. So it's just all about working hard and trying to get points on the board. You want to play as high as possible in your career, first and foremost. But League One is a very good um, league. There's some big teams in it this year as well. So... It, it is a personal pride thing where you don't want to really get relegated. We still want to go out and win and be an attack, but I think we've got to kind of realise where we were in the league and was leaking goals. So the main thing is to try and stop that. And then after that, then you can start building on scoring and attacking. So I think we, we're, it's all about trying to get that balance. And at first you could see now we're starting to score a little bit more goals. So it will come, it will take time. But obviously I know we're working with a tight... Uh, We've only got 11 games left, but I think now we're doing really well in terms of learning what Neil wants us to do. Because I'm a defender, first and first, no one wants to be letting in goals, um, especially like fives and, and high numbers. So, yeah, that, that is always a pleasure, um, personally, um, keeping clean sheets. So once we can do that and then um, then score goals, it's a recipe for winning games. Kick-off tomorrow will be at three and you'll be able to follow the match action at Kent Online. The opening ceremony of the Winter Paralympics has been taking place in Beijing. Canterbury skier Millie Knight will be competing at her third Games, while James Barnes-Miller from Tunbridge Wells will be taking part in the snowboarding. Russian and Belarusian athletes won't be allowed to take part because of the ongoing invasion of Ukraine. That's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening don't forget you can follow us on facebook twitter and instagram plus you can now get access to the ad free kent online premium site all you need to do is subscribe just head to kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe and whilst you're on the site today you can read our latest review from the secret drinker news you can trust this is the kent online podcast this podcast is sponsored by the fg barnes group with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall.